I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to the Vulnerability Podcast. My name is Marissa Donnelly. I'm your host, and today I have Michael McPherson with me. And I just wanted to introduce him with this quick line that his team sent me that I just thought was so powerful and just immediately made me want to have him on the show. Michael is on a mission to powerfully upgrade men and women's relationships to sex, especially millennial men and women. He speaks boldly on the topics of sex energy, sexual desire, and sacred sexual union while weaving in a unique and refreshing vulnerability that is sure to touch hearts. And man, you know, your team really sold me on that. I'm like, this guy, I need to have him on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then they're doing their job. They're definitely better at it. Better at selling me than I am, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thanks so much for being here. And just to start us off, I want to give my listeners just a little background on you and and how you got to the space of such um, openness about these topics that, you know, people often shy away from out of fear, out of judgment, out of, you know, we have a, a myriad of excuses in the book. So what brought you to such openness about the topic of sex? Yeah, well, there's probably a long and a short version to that answer. Uh, But I would say the biggest thing was that it was the healing that I needed. Uh, So even the process of writing this book, starting a podcast, getting out and uh, sharing myself in vulnerable or uncomfortable ways, even hosting men's group was a way for me to facilitate my own healing uh, and community. And, you know, it's not like I had really traumatic experiences around sex when I was young. I probably had a very what you would consider a normal experience. I grew up in a, a somewhat repressed household, both emotionally and sexually, and I just had a lot of fear around sex. So when I was introduced to sex for the first time, which was through porn, uh, I was pretty terrified, but also very intrigued, very curious. So I originally turned to pornography as a means to educate myself and to learn and to not feel like such a newbie if I stepped out into my community spaces with other guys my age and didn't know what I was talking about, right? I wanted to have a sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. But that started a a really long, probably about a 10-year, 15-year journey for me that just really took me through the ringer. You know, I had uh, thwarted relationships to sex, thwarted relationships to women, I was incredibly distracted by my mind's fantasies, by the way my mind was basically trained to objectify women. And uh, it really wasn't until I met my beloved in 2017, Mackenzie, that I made a powerful decision for myself that this is the line in the sand for me. These things will go no further. And around that same time, you know, we, her and I entered into divine union. And if you know anything about union, it will mirror to you any unfinished business that you have in yourself. So mm-hmm. for me, it was, a, it was a prime opportunity. And I really had to take it on that way because, you know, you, people shy away from this subject for a reason because there's a lot of density there. There's a lot of darkness there. There's a lot of trauma. Uh, so I took it on as an opportunity. And she is actually the one who uh, introduced me to sacred sexuality in the first place. It wasn't like we sat down and had a, uh, a conversation about it, or she pulled out a slideshow and started walking me through what sacred <laughs> sexuality was. 
it was just an unspoken energy uh, mm-hmm. in our interaction. And it really invited me forward. And, and since that time, I've, I've taken it on for myself. And I, I went on this healing journey for about three years. And during that time, I was working with a lot of plant medicines, you know, beautiful facilitators for accessing a subconscious mind, accessing the parts of us that we don't normally have access to in our waking consciousness. And that's really where I, I learned about sex energy. That's really where I got to shed a lot of my conditioning around sex, or at least see it for the first time in order to even have a choice in the first place of whether or not I wanted to participate. And then in 2018, I launched a podcast, the Humanity Podcast, and episode three was a really vulnerable podcast for me. The title was Sex, Michael Tells All. And that kind of tells oh you boy. <laughs> yeah, what that podcast was like. But that was the first time I had ever really spoken honestly about my experience. Mm-hmm. And when I say honestly, I just mean telling it how I actually experienced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really scared and I didn't want to do it. But years later, I was still getting feedback uh, that that podcast in particular really impacted people in, in a deep and positive way. And that's what I knew, you know, I, instead of just waiting around for someone to start this conversation with me, why don't I just start the conversation? So I didn't, I didn't start down this path. I didn't go on this journey to become an expert in any way or to be the sex guy. In fact, when I figured out that this was going to be something that I was going to be talking about, I was like, oh God, like really? I don't want to be that guy, anything, you know, anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Like universe really couldn't have been anything else. Um, But I just knew and really felt in my heart that, uh, and it was really my intention also just to start a conversation that's not being had rather than introduce a new form of dogma. It's like, let's just loosen things up a bit and get to a place where we can actually heal in this area to experience the miraculousness of having an empowered relationship to sex and our sex energy. Yeah, so much to, so much to unpack there. Um, but what I just love is the, the transparency about the healing and just how much of a it seems like so much of a weight was lifted when you were able to express these things and then kind of walking in this totally different path. It just opened your mind to so many different things. I feel like I can really connect with that. Um, my boyfriend has a 11 year old son and we are embarking on the journey of, oh my gosh, these kids, <laughs> his age. And he included our uh, emerging on puberty. And it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> wow, It's just such an interesting time because I, I feel like I've been really thinking about, you know, ways that I want to change conversations in my own household around this topic. And um, since COVID-19, I started a homeschool. So now there's also the opportunity to talk about these topics, um, you know, in my home with these other students as well. And so mm-hmm. um, it's just really the, what I'm connecting with is just the way we're changing the narrative and changing how to approach it and what it means. Because like you, I grew up with so much fear um, and a lot of shame and a lot of um, like self-hatred and mixed with the, you know, natural curiosity. And I feel like that isn't talked about in families. It's not really talked about in circles of friends. And if it is, it's not in the way where you can come to the table and say, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this or I'm struggling with this. Um, 
So it's just, it's really cool to hear you talk so openly and, and invite people into the space of, no, this should be, you know, a whole realm of excitement and, and sacred and different, so different really than, than what it is right now. Mm, well, I, one, I really want to commend you for even being in a position to have that kind of impact on the next generation. I think that's super sacred and super special. And it's always so empowering for me to know that people like you are the ones facilitating these conversations or at least creating a safe environment for the, the conversations to happen organically. So I just really commend you for taking that on. <laughs> I know it's not an easy thing, uh, but it's, it's super, it's, you know, you're literally creating the future. You have the future in your hands and that's really precious. It's terrifying. <laughs> precious and terrifying. Precious yes. and terrifying. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm no expert by any means and, you know, we're all just kind of plundering and rolling, but it's, uh, I, I have to share this, this quick story because it just connects so much. Um, a friend of my, my son's uh, was caught at home looking at something or something was accessed on the computer and it kind of created this whole debacle of people pointing fingers at other kids and families and long story short ended up that the other family chose to end the kids friendship. Um, and it's actually something that I've been like wrestling with over the last few months because it's on the, in the wake of, you know, pandemic and, you know, that was a part of our little pod. And, um, I don't know, just one of the things that really bothers me about the situation is not only the lack of, um, advocacy my son has for himself to say, I wasn't involved, but I'm sorry that happened. Um, cause we had a conversation that revealed he had no idea what was going on. Um, and then just the, um, the way that it was handled and what a learning opportunity it could have been of, you know, hey, who, it's not about who, you know, wanted to look this up, but let's talk about it. You know, are you curious about it? Do you have questions? Like, let me answer that. And I was just so disappointed because it felt like I could have the conversation in my home, but what about the relationship, you know, my kid had with yours and the opportunity we could have had together to raise these kids in a different way that doesn't involve so much shame. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, do you have any thoughts for, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm speaking from a parent perspective, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be towards parents. You know, do you have any thoughts or advice for people on how to approach these conversations openly? Because I think people are so prone to hiding these things. It's shameful. It's bad. It's wrong. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I really resonate with your sharing and I get the discomfort. And I, I think and really feel the most empowering thing and powerful thing that we can do for our children is to heal our own relationship to sex. Uh, so that when things like this do arise, we can come from it from a more genuine place rather than come from it coming from our own personal wounds, our own personal history, our own personal fears, our own personal shame. Uh, you know, children are completely innocent and in one way or another, sooner or later, they're going to stumble upon something like pornography or pornographic images, it's kind of inevitable. We can do our best to prepare them. But I think the best thing we can do is, is really heal our relationship to it. And whatever that looks like, it's different for everybody. And that's really what I have learned in my interactions and one-on-one -on -one work, especially with men, but women as well. Everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got the, the one sexual experience that they're afraid to talk about. The one thing that's got the most shame that's hovering over their head and they feel like if they ever told anyone their reputation would be ruined. So really, uh, you know, doing the internal work ourselves to open up, access those parts of ourselves, coming to a place of wholeness is going to create the kind of safety 
that we need in our environments with our children for for them to have their innocent experience because you know you can innocently stumble upon porn absolutely and to not be reprimanded necessarily or met with fear or all of a sudden met with a bunch of boundaries and limitations and rules and basically put cages around their experience you know so mm-hmm. yeah the, the the absolute best thing we can do is do our own healing work and I think that's the level of self-responsibility that's really required if if we're going to have a healthy dynamic with sex that we're going to pass on to future generations. That's so powerful. It really, it's, I think that's almost like universal in life. Like if you don't work on yourself, how can you expect to change anything? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't do the inner work, how can you give to others or, or change the way things are? So that's a really good kind of kick in the butt to, (laughs) look at our own lives and say, you know, what do I need to make peace with? Or what do I need to let go of or work through or talk about? Um, You know, as you were sharing your story earlier, I just couldn't help but think it seems like when we face those most shameful and most difficult moments and we bring them out into the forefront, that that's where we get the truest amount of healing. Instead of feeling like we have to hide, it can suddenly come out into the open and that's very freeing. Yeah, you just get perspective. I mean, you know, in the in the times where I've shared some of the most vulnerable things around my experiences sexually, especially in my young life, I've always been met with compassion. And I think that's a natural human tendency that we forget. You know, when someone leans, leans in with vulnerability, it typically has a, a heart-opening effect on us. It has us lean in and open our hearts and really hear them. Uh, so when I would share myself and when I'd be met with compassion, it would really have me get how much time I wasted essentially making this a bigger deal than it actually was or carrying it around as a bigger weight, thinking that I was some kind of bad person when for someone else, they were like, yeah, that's no big deal. You know, like let it go. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, I must wow. be, I must be a crazy person. I wish I would have done this years and years and years and years earlier. And that's not to say, you know, you want to go and share your shame or your traumatic experiences with your next door neighbor or somebody you meet on the train or the rail. You definitely want to create a sacred space for yourself. You want to create a space of safety to have that vulnerable conversation. But when you have it, definitely you know, muster the courage to go there because it's really our own freedom that's on the line. It's really, you know, no one else has to live inside of this vehicle, inside of our body. It's, it's us with us in here. And we're the ones that have to live with all the unspoken things that still hang over our heads. And it it does impact our interpersonal dynamics. It definitely impacts our ability to experience freedom in our relationships, to be who we are authentically and then be met there. So yeah, we can create those safe spaces and just and just start, you know, take a take a chance. Absolutely. Well, tell us about your book because one of the things that I think is really awesome about just the title and the concept and I, I find myself wanting to dig in is the idea of taking back your power as a man. Um, because when I was reading that as a woman, I was like, well, I feel like there's such a, um, at least in in the relationships that I've seen with some of my male friends, with my boyfriend, just people in my circle, there is such a um, 
differing opinions about what strength is. And I think that a lot of men get caught up in, you know, porn or they get caught up in, you know, the idea of dominance or strength looks a certain way. Um, so I just love the way your title incorporates taking back your power. Um, and I wonder if you can kind of expound on that because I think it's such a such an important point for men and women alike to really learn about and understand more more deeply. Definitely. Yeah. When I say take back your power, I'm really talking about sex energy and sex energy is a foreign concept to most people because we're not educated on it. You know, my education as a young man, as it relates to sex was photos of herpes and teenage pregnancies and basically being warned about all the dangers of sex and uh, no one ever taught me about my sex energy. No one ever taught me how to harness it and channel it in an empowering, constructive way. And that's true for most men. So like, like me, most men end up with the conditioning that they have because no one was really there to give them any other conditioning. So we kind of wandered out into the world looking for an education for ourselves. And we found it, unfortunately, with porn. But what happens is porn, we know now, you know, studies have shown that it's an incredibly addictive substance. Uh, what that actually does is they've studied this and researched this extensively. It puts us into a trance. And in that trance, the imagery, the video, the explicit content that we're watching is actually getting imprinted into our subconscious mind. Now, that's not the worst thing that could ever happen. It's not the equivalent of death, let's say. But there's definitely an impact as a consequence. <laughs> and what most men don't realize is, is the context that they have for women and sex is primarily based around that imprinting that they received. And most men, again, are like me, and they receive that imprinting right around the age of puberty. So we have our sex energy. It's, it's a primordial energy. It's the energy that creates world. It's a generative energy. It's an energy... You know, it's synonymous with chi, mana, prana. Uh, it's called our creative life force energy. It's an energy that we're born with. It's bestowed to us by our creator, and the creator of your choice. You know, whatever name you have for your creator. Our sex energy is given to us by our creator. And when you hear a baby cry for the first time right after birth, you're actually hearing one of the purest forms uh, of expression of sex energy. That's literally what that is. But what happens is, we don't get the education, like I said already, but then at puberty, we get exposure to sexuality. And so sexuality and mostly explicit sexuality gets, let's say, overlapped with sex energy. So two things that are fundamentally different become one and the same. Now, our creator created us sensitive to this energy. We're meant to be sensitive to our sex energy because our, sensi our sensitivity to it allows us to attune to it, allows us to be aware of it, allows us to channel it consciously, to move it to different parts of our body. But when these two things become the same, now all of a sudden this energy that we've been given by our creator, we try to force it through the realm of sexuality. And we do that primarily because of our conditioning. And that's like trying to take... Niagara Falls and, and forcing it through a garden hose. It's, it's just never going to happen. So men aren't actually addicted to the nudity in porn. They're addicted to the novelty. 
the continual newness, you know, in pornography, you could be with a different woman every five minutes if you wanted to, even less. But it's actually the, the novelty that leads to distortion. So again, we're, trying, we're taking this massive energy, you know, this universal energy that we've been given at birth. We're trying to funnel it all through the realm of sex, through the subject of sex, through sexual acts. And it ends up because of the, our addiction to novelty leading to distortion. And that's, that's mostly what we have on our planet right now is uh, the majority of men have a very distorted or you could say an unhealthy relationship to sex. And that's not even to mention like all the, the practical or realistic consequences of pornography. You know, those are real people that you're seeing on your screen. A lot of them are actually being trafficked. Most of the people that are in pornography don't actually want to be there, at least most of the women I know. So there's real life consequences to giving your vote, if you will, or your dollar or your attention to that industry, right? Because where you get, what you give your attention to, it grows. So the, the pornography industry is actually still growing, if you can believe that or not. But beyond that, we're also giving our creative life force energy to it. We're actually, we're devoting our creative life force energy to a, a false reality. It's entertainment. It's mm -hmm. entertainment. It's, it's actors, you know, characters that are playing a role meant to get us off. It's not real, but we end up devoting our creative life force energy, something that's so precious, so sacred to a false reality, to a synthetic reality is what I call it. And then we never learn otherwise. So now as we age and mature, we go out into the world and this pornographic lens through which we see the world goes with us. So we sexually objectify women. Um, we at around the age of puberty, at least it was for me, maybe shortly after for most people, it's, it's typically when we get introduced to alcohol. So the barriers come down to actual sexual interactions with other people. And that's really where the distortion takes its toll because it leads to shame. And that's why people have an incredible amount of shame, things that they think are so horrible that they can't bring forward and actually bring to the light and heal. So I wrote this book to not only give people a perspective, uh, a view into the average man's, let's say, becoming, you know, it, I'm 31 years old and I didn't become the man that I am today overnight. You know, I have a history. I have everything that I experienced that's been a fundamental piece of who I've become today. A lot of really empowering things, a lot of really disempowering things. And I think when we meet people on the street, we forget, you know, their history. We think we're just meeting that person right then and there. We, we forget that that person, just like us, has their own history, their own programming, their own relationship to things like sex. And so I, I, I give people a view into what it's like for, especially a millennial man, to mature in the first generation that had virtually unlimited access to internet porn and, and what that kind of did to us, how it warped us mm -hmm. so that one, men can see that in themselves and finally take responsibility for it. And two, uh, women can have some compassion and understanding, not that they don't already, because I know that they do, <laughs> but to even invite more compassion, understanding so that we can heal this together, right? It's not like men, you go off in your corner and do what you got to do to heal your relationship to sex. Women, you go off in your corner and heal whatever there is for you to heal. We're really healing this together. And that's why people need to know 
what we're up against because the system, you know, the, the pornographic system and the powers that are behind it are, are really designed to disempower us. They're designed to distort our relationship to sex and our own creative life force energy because if you meet a man or a woman that's in tune with this energy, they're consciously aware of it and they're harnessing it consciously. You can't manipulate them. You can't control them. So it, it is really a power play. And I don't want to like slide into conspiracy theories or anything like that, but <laughs> it, it really is a power play to mm -hmm. keep people small. Yeah. But at some, at some point, we have to realize that it's, it's not something that's being done to us anymore. We were at one point the victim of a broken system, 100%. This happened to us. We assumed a programming that was very disempowering. We took that out into the world, started to aim it and direct it at each other. It really messed with our relationships. But at this point, you know, again, I'm 31. At this point, if we're still choosing to participate in that synthetic reality, that's on us, not the system, right? Mm -hmm. And what people need to get is even subconsciously, they're choosing to continue to watch porn, for instance, because it's actually an excuse to keep themselves small. You know, it's, it's a, a reason, a justifiable reason for keeping ourselves small and not actually taking our power back and harnessing this energy for everything that it can actually deliver to us, for all the ways it can actually contribute to us in our day-to-day -day life. And that's where I'm really desiring to take men. You know, let's, let's unpack the past and really understand how we got here today, but let's not stop there. Let's actually recover our innocence and recommune with this energy, our sacred sex energy, in a new way from where we are now. And that's really what taking our power back is. It's reconnecting with this energy from where we are now and choosing to harness it consciously because it's creative energy. You know, it can go into anything you direct it to. It can go into creative endeavors, philanthropic opportunity, business, interpersonal relationships, even a heart-to-heart -heart connection. You can actually harness your sex energy to expand your heart chakra, to expand the electromagnetic field around your heart. Um, so it, it can obviously have a beautiful impact on our interpersonal relationships, but people don't know that. So mm -hmm. someone's got to break the ice on those conversations. And that's really what I'm here to do. Absolutely. It's vulnerability in general. I think the more we talk about these things and the more we bring, you know, these things to light, the more power that we have. Um, and I know you're speaking to, to men, but I think, you know, I'm tracking right along with you as a woman, I think maybe for some women porn is not as big as you know a thing but there's other ways that you know we fall victim to the synthetic culture just the idea of you know what sex appeal is and what you know what it means to be a sexually attractive woman or you know you fall into those different traps and you find yourself trying to fit a certain mold or an expectation of somebody else as opposed to honing in on what you know what you want to express as your own sexuality what you want to express as your own definition of being a woman i mean there's so many debates between circles of women about you know a modest woman is you know the right quote right way to be and then you know the other side of no show your body and be empowered in that way and it's just you know there's just so many different conversations that need to be brought out to the light. And I think for women, it's really looking within and also saying, you know, I don't have to 
follow this synthetic culture of and the expectations around what it means to be attractive or appealing um, mm. and having these kind of conversations and talking about shame and talking about sexual energy and you know how you can harness that I think taking back the power I just love that phrase because it's something that we have it, it puts it the ball in our court you know we have the ability to step into the identity that we were given and the energy that we were given and the power that we were given and not let the craziness of the world and you know what society deems as you know attractive or beautiful or whatever define the way we see our relationships and our interactions with others absolutely yeah that's really what this is all about i i should have actually hired you as my spokesperson or you know maybe you can give me that little clip that we just recorded and i can just have people listen to that yeah absolutely i think you know you're talking about i didn't want to be the sex guy i'm like am i becoming the sex girl in this podcast like what's going on here <laughs> Um, it's just so it's funny to me because you know I have this podcast that's focused on vulnerability but you know like I said before we jumped on the recording this is a topic that I haven't really dug into um, I had a, a really awesome podcast guest Ellie Nash and he openly talked about uh, porn addiction and the struggles that he went through and kind of how he shifted from that pain and that shame into purpose so I think that definitely resonates with with your story and what we're talking about here but you know, it's just, it's so funny because sex is such an integral part of our lives. And yet anytime you see the word, it's like, oh, you know, and as a parent, I'm like, oh, you know, is it bad that I'm recording a podcast about sex? Like there's just so much shame around it, but really, you know, it's supposed to be a beautiful thing for people in union. And it's supposed to be something that is a part of the human experience. And I think that even sometimes when it's approached in more positive ways, sometimes it gets spun by different, you know, expectations or by families or by religion or whatever it is. Um, and I just love the ability to talk openly about, you know, the shame around it and how we can step away from that shame and into who we were meant to be. Because one of the most profound things I've ever heard about sex was when somebody said, you know, we are sexual beings. And I was I, younger, I was in, you know, like puberty. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not a sexual being. Like I was so embarrassed. Um, and now like being older, I'm like, well, that's true. Like we, we are, we are sexual beings and we crave the intimacy and closeness of, you know, other people and connections to others. And that's not something that is inherently wrong. It's how we approach it and how we treat one another in the pursuit of it. That's that what that's what needs to change. Absolutely. I mean, some of the most profound spiritual experiences that I've had have been while making love with my beloved, and that's really the potential of this space, the potential of love making that most people aren't even aware of. You know, a lot of men, especially, think that it's more of like an animalistic thing and that's not to make that wrong or to say that that's not true but it's only part of the story right when we approach sex consciously we can actually do profound healing work and not just healing work you know not everything has to be about healing but <laughs> sex is the perfect analogy for life mm -hmm. you know how much pleasure can you allow yourself to receive in the love making space from someone you love and that's really going to be a mirror for how much pleasure you allow yourself to receive in life. How deep can you go? How present can you be in a lovemaking space? It's really a mirror for how present can you be in your day-to-day -day life. Mm 
Mm. So there's so much that we can learn about ourselves in this space, but really the, the lovemaking space in and of itself is, it's very spiritual. Uh, it's, I mean, the word that comes to mind is, is holy or sacred. I know sometimes sacred gets thrown around so much now that it's, it doesn't carry the same weight as maybe it used to, but, but really, it still resonates. Holy, holy grounds. I mean, I, there have been times where, you know, I'm making love with my beloved and this energy, you know, when you make love with somebody, it's not just one person's sex energy anymore. Obviously it's, it's two people. So it, it amplifies exponentially. And when that energy hits your heart and you're there with someone that you love, it's, it's a very deep and emotional experience. And there have been times where I've just cried in the middle of lovemaking. And if, if you'd have told me that I was going to do that three years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. You know, no man cries during lovemaking. That's not a manly thing to do. In fact, that's just weird. And it was weird <laughs> at first when it started <laughs> happening to me, but it's, you know, vulnerability. Vulnerability is not just sharing the scary thing. It's actually allowing ourselves to show how much mm -hmm. we're being moved by an experience or by a person by our loved ones so i was really like opening up and allowing my my beloved to witness me receiving her essentially and seeing her and that was profoundly healing for both of us and really you know in, in terms of having a strong connection in the union in the relationship it's it's foundational for that as far as i'm concerned Absolutely. It's like letting your walls down and just um, letting, letting your walls down and letting yourself be there fully. And I think in such a distraction based culture, you know, it's, it, that's so powerful to just really be present and there in, in the most vulnerable state you can be with someone. For sure. And, and, you know, most of us are trained to be very selfish, selfishly oriented uh, especially as it comes to sex, it's like our perspective is what can I get out of it? Uh, I know that was my perspective when I was a 20 something year old man and being very promiscuous and using women and basically just uh, being charismatic with them to get what I wanted from them. And then, you know, not talking to them after that, being selfish, you know, a lot of us are selfishly oriented, but when you approach lovemaking from a space of what can I give what can I bring to this space? What amount of energy, what amount of intention, what amount of love? It totally changes the yeah, dynamic of the absolutely. space. Not only does it take off the table this rush to ejaculation, uh, it also just allows you to actually get to know your partner you know, to, to even be present with your partner, to know their likes and their dislikes. That's a huge vulnerability for couples to even be mm -hmm. able to voice. This feels good to me. This doesn't feel so good to me. I like this. Maybe we could try this. That's huge for couples in terms of vulnerability and connection. But when we approach it from that space of what can I give, the experience becomes so much richer. You know, it, it's like, now you're not only just having expectations to get what you want from this space, you get what you want and you feel a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment that's way deeper than ejaculation. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. a soul, heart and soul level satisfaction. And that's really what most of us are yearning for at this stage in the game. You know, realistically, we only have sex less than 1% of the time. I think I saw a statistic. It's 
like 0.05% at the max of our life are we actually having sex, but how much time do we spend either thinking about it, fantasizing about it, carrying the weight of our shame around about it when we're only having it in such a small period of time. But when we bring intention and when we bring the intention, especially to give, what can I give? Uh, it really makes the most of the small percentage of time that we actually spend making love. And it's called that for a reason, because that's actually what we're doing. It's called making love because we're actually creating love and energy has a ripple effect. When you create love within your union, you create love within the world. You know, we hear it all the time, right? Heal it within, heal it without, as within, so without. And it's very cliche, but it's true. And so when couples especially approach their love-making ceremonies, I like to call it a ceremony, uh, as a space to heal, you're really doing that work on behalf of the collective. And that's not to say like you're super noble or righteous in any way. It's just that's the reality of the situation. When you make love, that energy has an actual ripple effect that reaches other people in the world. You can't measure it. You can't calculate it. You can't point it out and see, look, our lovemaking changed that over there for that person. But that's really how it works. It's beautiful. And it really goes from it being just a pure act to something, you know, exactly like you said, you're creating love. You're creating a space where vulnerability is okay and where people can truly see each other in a way that you can't see somebody else anywhere else, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's powerful stuff. Incredibly. And I'm just, I'm really personally excited for women to be led in this area, not because they need to be, because I just really don't feel that women are meant to be quote unquote leading this conversation or maybe better said dragging their men along uh, <laughs> to upgrade their relationship in this area. I really desire to provide the experience for the women of the world to just be able to let go and surrender and, and maybe even trust for the first time that they're going to be cared for, that they can actually trust the man that they're with to care for their heart as well as the rest of their body you know, during lovemaking. I'm, I'm really, yeah, I, want, I desire strongly for women to have that experience. I think it all starts with just the openness to continue to have these conversations. And so I just thank you for, for reaching out, for connecting about the podcast. I think that there's so much that people can take away, men and women, to just really sit with and say, you know, what do I need to change? What do I need to heal from? Where is my shame? How am I letting my shame carry me? And what can I do to connect back with who I'm supposed to be? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity for even allowing me to share on your platform, this beautiful platform that you've created. And yeah, if my, if my words have resonated, you can go and buy my book. You can visit me on my website. Uh, I just recently published a book called Everything You Never Learned About Sex. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, so much more is in those pages. And awesome. yeah, you'd be proud because it's definitely an expression of vulnerability. Great. That makes me so happy. I feel like the more we can have these conversations, they're just life-changing for, you know, like you said, it's a ripple effect. It's not just for you and me, you know, sitting here in our opposite corners of you know the world, but it's for the people who listen, you know, in the future and the people that they connect with. And I just think there's so much power in, in moving away from shame and into, you know, who are we supposed to be and how are we navigating this crazy journey as individuals, but as a collective as well. Amen.
You said it best. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and for your honesty and your openness. And I will share all the links to your um, book and websites for people to connect. Um, Any last words, thoughts, notes, encouragement? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just start where you're at and take the first step. You know, we make more out of this than it needs to be. It's really simple. We're at a place in time where we can actually have these conversations we've matured ourselves emotionally enough to be able to hold it for each other. So the biggest thing is just to trust that if you step forward and initiate your own healing and especially start to share about your shame, that you're going to be caught in that. And, you know, your reputation is not only going to be fine, but it's, it's going to improve because people are going to see you as a leader and they're going to see you as somebody that's, you know, really initiating conversation that's very needed at this time on our planet. So just take the first step.